This is Herb Montgomery, and I want to take this opportunity to thank all of you who are supporting the work of Renewed Heart Ministries. It's people like yourself that enable us to exist and to be a positive resource in our world in the work of survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation. If you're unfamiliar with Renewed Heart Ministries, we are a not-for-profit group that is passionate about centering a set of values and ethics in the experiences of those on the undersides and margins of our society informed also by the sayings and the teachings of the historical Jewish Jesus of Nazareth. If you'd like to support our work, I'll tell you how you can do so at the end of this podcast. But for now, we simply want to thank you for listening. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 201 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. Our title this week is Proclaiming What Was Whispered, and our feature text is from Saints Gospel Q 12, 2 through 3. Nothing is covered up that will not be exposed, and hidden that will not be known. What I say to you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in the ear, proclaim on the housetops. Our companion texts are Matthew 10, 26-27, so do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Uh, Luke 12, 2-3, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be reclaimed from the rooftops. And Gospel of Thomas uh, 5, 2, 6, 4 through 6, and 33, verse 1. Uh, Jesus says, For there is nothing hidden that will not become revealed, for everything is disclosed in view of the truth. For there is nothing hidden that will not become revealed, and there is nothing covered that will remain undisclosed. Jesus says, What you hear with your ear proclaim from your rooftops. Our saying this week uh, is one that I return to often, and I I do uh, find great encouragement in in the words of Thomas Carlyle, for if there be a faith from of old, it is this, as we often repeat, that no lie can live forever. That's from the French Revolution of History, Part 1, Book 6, Chapter 3. And and I truly do hope that truth and light will ultimately win. And I think Matthew's and Luke's use of this saying has much to offer us this week. Let's talk about Matthew first. In Matthew's gospel, this week's saying is in chapter 10. And, and this is where Jesus is seeking to inspire his followers as opposition mounts and their courage in response to that opposition, that mounting opposition, is starting to wane. And at this moment, Jesus calls them not to fear, not to be afraid, but to boldly speak out from the rooftops. The recent federal holiday, uh, Martin Luther King Day, reminded me again of how often King spoke negatively about keeping silent. Uh, There's a lot of us today, or a lot of those today, that would like us to remain silent. And this is from a letter from a Birmingham jail in 1963. We'll have to repent in this generation, not merely for the hateful words and actions of bad people, but for the appalling silence of good people. 
human progress never rolls on and uh, never rolls in on the wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts of men willing to be co-workers with God, and without this hard work, time itself becomes an ally of the forces of social stagnation. Uh, a few years later, in 1967, this is in his speech, Beyond Vietnam, A Time to Break Silence. And some of us who have already begun to break the silence of the night have found that the calling to speak is often a vocation of agony. But we must speak. We must speak with all the humility that is appropriate to our limited vision, but we must speak. And in that same speech, he goes on, to, or actually in a different speech, same year, uh, in his speech, Why I'm Opposed to the War in Vietnam, King made the statement, there comes a time when silence becomes betrayal. And uh, the same speech, uh, now, of course, one of the difficulties in speaking out today grows the fact that there are those who are seeking to equate dissent with disloyalty. It's a dark day in our nation when those high-level authorities will seek to use every method to silence dissent, but something is happening and people are not going to be silenced. The truth must be told. And uh, again, in a sermon in Selma, Alabama, March 8th, 1965, and this was the day after Bloody Sunday there, uh, which the civil rights processors, um, when they were attacked and, and beaten by the police on the the Edmund Pettus Bridge there, uh, King stated this. He said, uh, deep down in our nonviolent creed is the conviction that there are something so dear, something so precious, something so eternally true that they're worth dying for. And if a man happens to be 36 years old, as I happen to be, some great truth stand before the door of his life, some great opportunity to stand up for that which is right. A man might be afraid of his home, that his home will get bombed, or he's afraid that he'll lose his job, or he's afraid that he'll get shot or beaten down by state troopers, and he may go on and live until he's 80. He's just as dead at 36 as he would be at 80. The cessation of breathing in his life is merely the belated announcement of an earlier death of the spirit. He died. A man dies when he refuses to stand up for that which is right. A man dies when he refuses to stand up for justice. A man dies when he refuses to take a stand for that which is true. So we're going to stand up amid horses. We're going to stand up right here in Alabama amid, amid the billy clubs. We're going to stand up right here in Alabama amidst police, police dogs if they have them. We're going to stand up amid tear gas. We're going to stand up amid anything they can muster up, letting the world know that we are determined to be free. In the first century, Jesus emerged among the Jewish economically impoverished and the politically oppressed. This was the group in which Jesus surfaced out of. And, and he came in, in the wake of Hillel's golden rule, and he applied it to the poor. He came announcing the, the rule of God, which he called the kingdom, which, res, which Jesus repeatedly defined as people taking care of people. And he, he called the rich to redistribute their wealth, and he inspired the poor to share or to pull what meager resources they had among themselves for, for their survival. People were to prioritize each other over and above power, property, profits, possessions, prosperity, and especially privilege. But uh, the message, uh, this message that Jesus preached, it always produces enemies. Over the, the Christmas holidays, I shared what I consider to be 
a very mild presentation on our responsibility to the poor. Um, but but uh, I was speaking to a very wealthy congregation, and repeatedly I received the question of whether or not uh, I found the topic of helping the poor to be very popular. And my response was that popularity is irrelevant. Popular or not, helping the poor is what our Jesus taught. And if our gospel is not good news to the poor, then we must question whether our Jesus is the same one as the one in the the biblical story even. But but we must get this right. Jesus' preferential option for the economically oppressed of his own day is our it's our springboard today as we apply his teachings to our lives and especially to all who are oppressed or marginalized or subjugated and and disinherited today and today whether it's age ability education gender sex orientation race gender identity and expression whatever that becomes a basis for oppression for marginalization exclusion or discrimination Jesus's followers are, are called to solidarity, and, and we're called to walk alongside whomever is being subjugated and to do the work of survival, of resistance, of liberation, restoration, and, and transformation with them. And uh, yes, breaking our silence in these areas at times is very unpopular, to answer the, the previous question. The, the social pressure uh, it may be immensely strong to just avert one's gaze and shut one's mouth and go along just to get along. Uh, but as Dr. King said the day after Bloody Sunday, the moment we begin to be silent about uh, that oppression that, that any part of the human race is, or human family is, is, is facing, that's the moment something inside of us begins to die. So for me, solidarity is not purely altruistic. It's not what reclaims the humanity of those on the other undersides of our uh, society. It also reclaims my own humanity, and we're part of each other, and and that is the reality that I desire to lean into. And I do get feedback from time to time. Some may call that feedback hate mail. Um, I think that's a little too strong, but but the feedback questions why I speak out uh, with the groups that I choose to stand in solidarity with, and I speak out because, honestly, I can't keep silent. I, I just cannot. The personal cost to me to be silent is great. And I would rather lose acquaintances than be the shell uh, of a dead person, or as we heard from Jesus a couple weeks ago, uh, like the whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the, the bones of the dead and everything unclean. And that was Matthew 23, 27. So I, I, I take this week's saying very seriously. Come what may, uh, we simply cannot keep silent. And if we look at Luke this week, let's take a moment and look at Luke also. Luke's encouragement is a little different from Matthew's. What Luke does is to point Jesus' words towards the hypocrisy of the religious teachers of that day. And he encourages Jesus' followers with the hope that, that others' hypocrisy will one day be uncovered. And Luke's saying isn't a call to, to speak out so much as it is rather a call to endure, just to keep holding on the, that one day, Luke says, the truth will come to light. And Luke's version of the saying it brings to mind King's own optimism too, and 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 the the saying that we started out with from from, from Carlyle, Carlyle's statement that that no lie can live forever. Um, King preached in uh, second sermon at the Temple of Israel, Hollywood, February 26, nineteen sixty five. He he made this statement: somehow the arc of the moral universe is long, 
but it bends towards justice. We shall overcome because Carlyle is right. No lie can live forever. We shall overcome because William Cullen Bryant is right. Truth crushed to the earth will rise again. We shall overcome because James Russell Lowell is right. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future, and behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. With this faith we'll be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith we'll be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith we will be able to speed up the day, and in the words of the prophecy, every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain, and crooked places made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This will be a great day. This will be a marvelous hour, and at that moment, figuratively speaking in biblical words, the morning stars will sing together and the sons of God will shout for joy. What I think we, well, to, more, to put more of a point on it, what I believe we must guard against in, in King's words as well as Luke's is the mistake of embracing inevitability in all of this. And I'm going to I'm going to put a link in this week's e-site to an article on embracing inevitability that was written by a dear friend of mine Dr. Keisha uh, McKenzie um, and and you'll find more there but it's a great article. Uh, but but this this error of believing that it, it, or believing in inevitability. Not all truth rises. And some truths are lost forever. That's the reality of it. And, and when truth does rise, it doesn't rise of its own. Truth rises when others choose to resurrect it. And it, it, it lies begin to fade when we choose to pursue the truth. Human progress does not roll, as King said in our original uh, present, our original sermon that we read this, uh, today, uh, it doesn't roll in the wheels of inevitability. It can be delayed. It can be prevented. It can be abandoned. And it can be chosen. We can choose whether to become a compassionate, just people who live healthy, mutually interdependent lives with one another and with our planet, or we can take a path of extinction. We can choose to embrace truth, uh, justice, and compassion, or we can choose the path of individualistic independence and and survival in a zero-sum system, uh, one where for one to win, another must lose. In Matthew's gospel... Jesus describes two paths, remember. In Matthew 7, he says, Wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. And the redactors of the Torah, they also chose similar language. Um, In Deuteronomy 30, 19, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursings. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live. If we can choose life, the opposite is also true. And so today, we too have to make a choice between the path of life or death, uh, of truth rising or or lies being eternal, Uh, shaping the world into a just, compassionate, safe home for us all. That's only an impossible task. Remember, if we choose to believe it to be. If we choose it's if we choose to believe it's impossible, then it will always remain impossible. But if we choose to believe that it's possible, 
Um, this world is what we collectively choose to make of it. And each of us has a part to play in that. And this is where I believe Jesus' teachings still hold relevance for us today. The world has changed since he taught his followers, but we still tend to, to dominate one another just as much, if not more, um, in, in our society today, rather than, than caring for one another. And Jesus envisioned a world where people take care of people. And that world is still available for us to choose. And he showed us the way and the results of our, our, our choice, I think, will be seen in, in, in our collective future and in the future of our children. We're in this together along with the generations that have come before us and with the generations who come after us. So in light of this week's saying, this week, seek truth, choose compassion, choose justice, and then make the choice not to remain silent. There's a lot of pressure right now to be silent. Don't be silent. Name truth. And, and what you've discovered in the dark, bring out into the light so that others may hear and, and speak it too and proclaim it from the rooftops. And it's in our speaking in the light that we what we've heard in the dark that we make true the statement, nothing is covered up that will not be exposed. Our saying this week again, nothing is covered up or that will not be exposed and hidden that will not be uh, known. What I say to you in the dark, speak in the light and what you hear whispered in the ear, proclaim on the housetops. Heart group application this week. In the Gospels, Jesus spends his life resisting and teaching others how to resist those elements in his society that marginalize, discriminate, that push down vulnerable people. And James H. Cohn, in his classic volume, God of the Oppressed, I believe he correctly states any interpretation of the Gospel in any historical period that fails to see Jesus as the liberator of the oppressed is heretical. Any view of the Gospel that fails to understand the church is that community whose work and conscientiousness are defined by the community of the oppressed is not Christian and is thus heretical. Within this context, the issue of heresy must be debated. That's on page 35. But in Luke 4, 18 through 19, we find this claim. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Number one this week, together as a group, pick one of the themes in the above passage and commit the next week to exploring what it meant in its original cultural context. What did good news to the poor mean? What did freedom for the prisoners mean? Or the recovery of sight for those in darkness? Or or setting the oppressed free? Or the year of all debts being canceled? Or the, or the year of the Lord's favor? What did those mean in their original cultural context? And then number two, as you explore on your own throughout the week, also explore what possible application these themes may hold today in our society, in our context. What does the theme that you're exploring mean in today's economic, political context? And then number three, when you come back together next week, discuss what you've discovered with each other and decide what action you can take as a group and as followers of Jesus today, how you can put this into practice. So how can you make the world a safer, more just, more compassionate home? for everyone. How can you do that in your sphere of influence? Um, thank you again for joining us this week. Wherever this finds you, my hope is that your heart is encouraged and renewed to engage with others. Keep engaging. Don't be silent. Um, keep engaging in that continuing work of survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation. And, and keep living in love, a, a love
love that's characterized by justice for the oppressed, mercy for the subjugated and marginalized, and faithfulness in our commitment to be people who choose to take care of people. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Thank you once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is done with the purpose of making these resources as free as possible. And to do so, we need the help of people like yourself. If you'd like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking on the Donate tab at the top right of the homepage. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24. Make sure you also sign up for our free resources on our website, and we have a monthly newsletter that we mail out, and there's just much, much more. Remember, everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is for free, and every little bit helps. And anything we receive over and above our annual budget, we happily pass on to other not-for-profits that we feel are making both systemic and, and personal differences in the lives of those less privileged within our status quo. And for those all already supporting our work. Again, thank you. Together we are making a difference, making our world a safer, more just, more compassionate home for us all.